Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 108. Hey, this is Gihan Marcia Rodano, co-founder of Ministry Supply. And if you want to learn how to build relationships the right way, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, I'm sure you've heard me and my guests talk a lot about the importance of masterminds. I know I personally would not be anywhere near where I am today without spending tens of thousands of dollars investing into building relationships in a mastermind setting. So on that, I am opening up a second round of my mastermind, Build Your Network Alpha in order to build relationships with some of you guys out there. If this is something that interests you, please head over to buildyournetwork.co slash alpha to submit an application and hop on the phone with me to chat about it. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Gihan Amarasiri Wardena. 
Gihan, as a co-founder, president of Ministry of Supply, shapes the company's products and brand, bringing his background in science and technology to create high-performance products for the modern professional. After earning his SB in chemical and biological engineering from MIT and conducting research at the Sports Technology Institute in the UK and product design at IDEO, Gihan co-founded Ministry of Supply to bring a high-tech vision for menswear to life. He was recently featured in Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Gihan, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Really excited to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and expound just a tad on that intro and then tell us what you're most excited about right now. Yeah. So we started Ministry of Supply really with this kind of intent of making the clothes that we wear to work a lot more comfortable. Um, we'd seen that there's so much you know innovation in the sports and athletic field, but it was really limited to what you could wear to the gym. And we wanted to take that to you know, one place you have to really kind of perform the most, which is during the work week. And uh, we just want to make dress clothes a lot more comfortable. So we started on Kickstarter several years ago with a dress shirt. And since then, it expanded to a full line of dress shirts, suits, pants, and actually even women's wear most recently. So the product line's uh, gotten really full recently. And one of our most exciting projects is our intelligent heated jacket. And it's basically an outerwear jacket for the city that has uh, heaters built into it. But it's got a... Yeah, yeah. And it's got a smart thermostat as well. So it can detect if you're too hot, if you're you know, staying at a cold bus stop, it'll turn the heat up all the way. If you're running to catch the bus, it'll turn the heat down. So it kind of preemptively, yeah, yeah keeps you the right temperature. Wow. Wow. That's awesome, man. What's been like yeah. the most difficult part of this whole thing? Like what's been the most unforeseen challenge that you guys have, have run into with this clothing line? Yeah. Other than, you know, a lot of the kind of challenges with just a young business is, you know, we find ourselves in a place where we're creating a new category of wearable clothing, but infused with performance aspects. So, okay. you know, there's a big challenge there, which is one, finding a customer who believes in that, a customer who's familiar with these performance materials already. And then on the supply side, it's finding manufacturers and partners who can make products like that. And so on both the supply and the demand side, it's definitely been, there's been a lot of learning experiences. I think one of the biggest ones has been, you know, try to find the believers instead of try to convince non-believers is kind of a phrase we use here, which is really just comes back to that, this idea of our product will resonate for a certain customer and yeah. they're the ones that will really appreciate the product. So let's just double down on that. Nice. Nice. Really cool, man. What do you think is your best selling item to date currently? Yeah, definitely our, our flagship product is our dress shirts. Yeah. We have the Apollo and the Aero dress shirts. They're both moisture wicking, wrinkle free, kind of the dryer ready to wear. So they're really perfect for every day in the office, but people love them for travel in particular when you, know, you can only bring just a couple of shirts with you and you don't want to have to you know, constantly launder, you know, some iron your shirts all the time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So this is just like the dress shirts themselves, they still look exactly like a dress shirt would. It's just a lot more comfortable, basically, right? Is that what I'm understanding? Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Much like the name of our brand. So it's called Ministry of Supply. We're inspired by Q from James Bond. And so the name of our company is is actually the cover agency that Q used to work for. So we're kind of like Bond's labs. And much like Bond, the whole idea is it looks really sharp. You'd never know, especially with all the equipment he has, but there's a lot of kind of stealth technology built into it. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Are you guys mostly selling online or only online or what is your distribution model? Yeah, we do a majority of our business online, but we have about seven stores across the country. So it's something where 
we are kind of really excited about just kind of, yeah, balance of an in-store and online experience. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Okay. So you sell in stores, but they're actually Ministry of Supply stores. They're not like a regular retail store. Exactly. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And where are those located? Yeah. They're up and down the East and West Coast. So we have Boston, New York, two in DC, and then also. San Francisco, LA, and then Chicago and Atlanta as well. Nice, nice. Got to bring one out to Vegas, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy thing about your bio is your insane education here. So I don't know. I hope this isn't an insulting question, but why clothes, man? Like you, you have this really impressive, like biological in whatever <laughs> engineering degree from MIT and then your, your manufacturing clothing lines. What made you do that? Was it more a belief in a vision and leadership or was it something that you just really were passionate about getting into? Yeah, it's been a, a lifelong passion. I grew up as a Boy Scout. And so since I was 14 years old, I was basically going camping every weekend. And basically, I started sewing my own rain jackets, sleeping bags for campouts. And that's where I got really... Lifelong hustler. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I even started you know, kind of selling these products and making my own materials. And that was really kind of my emphasis for studying basically material science and chemical engineering. And that's something that where, where I thought, you know, initially I wanted to start a, like a, a materials company or an outdoor gear company, but then realized, you know, going into the professional world that that same level of comfort and performance just didn't exist, especially in the city. You just can't get away right. wearing outdoor gears all the time. Right, right. For sure. So you went ahead and started this with a partner, Aman, right? How did that whole relationship come about? Well, yeah, it's funny because we're talking about it's not about like a white space exercise for us. We both were 
really passionate about this for a long time for mm-hmm. Amon, my co-founder. He was a consultant, would fly to the client site every week, and he hated his dress socks. And so he would basically cut up Nike dry fit socks and sell them to gold toe socks to make you know, his first version of a uh, performance dress sock. And hmm. one of our professors at MIT said, you know, you both are hacking clothing. You both should meet. And that's kind of how it started. Oh, no way. So you guys yeah. actually didn't even know each other, but you were both going to MIT and a professor made the connection. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Really cool. Really cool. So you would definitely believe in the power of networking then, huh? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes I ask the question, tell us about how like a connection led to a moment of success. I think I would know yeah. which one that you would pick because it seems like you guys have done pretty well together at this point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something where it's very serendipitous and we were fortunate that, you know, when we kind of think about networking, it's interesting. The space that we met at was it's the entrepreneurship center on the center of campus. Okay. But it was between basically the engineering school, the media lab, which is known for its design, and then the business school. And so it's really kind of this melting pot of kind of those ideas. And that's where kind of like the interesting networking happens is yeah. where you have intersecting kind of experiences or you know, disciplines. And sometimes the more interesting conversations happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, really cool, man. I mean, it sounds like you guys got something really, really cool working over there. Let me ask you this, just because I want to hear it from somebody like yourself, who's very well educated, went to MIT with got engineering degrees and all that kind of stuff. What do you feel about the future of school and college, especially in regards to entrepreneurship and business? Yeah, I think there's a lot of kind of technical skills that are ones that you can that are best learned through practice and what's been really exciting is to see just like the democratization of that through you know like udemy or academy etc like most of the skills now that you need to actually be successful as an entrepreneur you can learn on the go i think that's something that's been really exciting i think you look at the people on our team here there's this sense of constant learning and you know maybe a third, a quarter of the stuff that we learned in school is relevant to what we're doing now. But it's this kind of desire to learn and hack. That's where, you know, kind of, if that spirit is there, I think then self-learning tends to follow. And there's so many resources now. And especially with many of the kind of technical tools, like even as simple as something like Sketch or Photoshop, et cetera, like you can learn all of this through YouTube tutorials. And that's actually the practical stuff that actually drives the business. So I think more and more like it's maybe it's not education in a full degree sense, but it's actually thing kind of project-based, problem-based learning, which is so much more personally motivating. And you just see it across the board these days. Yeah. So that's really, really interesting then, because I mean, most of the people that I talked to when, when we're talking about degrees and stuff, most of them did either did not go to school or they went to school, got a degree that has nothing to do with what they're doing right now, you know, stuff like that. And so it's really interesting to hear someone with an educational background like you have say that most of the stuff that is actually applicable and practical in your business on a daily basis, you can pick up from Udemy and YouTube. I find yeah. that really, really fascinating. So anyway, let's go ahead and move the conversation on to talk talk a little bit more about networking since this is the Build Network podcast. This is a question I ask everybody that comes on the show, Gihan. So I'm really Mm -hmm. interested to hear your perspective on it because you, like I said, do have such a great education, but you also do have a pretty good circle of people. So do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? It's definitely who you know. 
there's this phrase that it's like, you're the average of the five people you're closest with. And mm-hmm. I, that always resonated with me largely because that's kind of your echo chamber and anything, hopefully you've got people with voices that can amplify your thoughts, but also create that kind of harmony or kind of some other insights that allow you to kind of springboard from there. I personally think that like, when it comes to who, you know, you really want to find that balance of like, people who are like-minded, but also complementary in their kind of experience or their kind of perspectives. That's where, you know, there's this whole idea that like everything's a remix and like someone's probably solved the problem that you've done before, but in some other field. And that's where I think kind of the most interesting learnings happen or conversations is, you know, someone with some tangential, but interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it, everybody. MIT educated Gihan tells us Mm -hmm that who you know is probably a little bit more important. Would you say that your time in college at MIT was probably best served because of the connections that you made? Yeah. I mean, I think what I loved about school was was just a space where it was a really creative environment and that the people that you met were inventive and wanted to you know, apply these technologies to the real world. And that's, that's where I met my co-founder. So I think it's it's definitely something where the environment can... If you are inherently a person who's creative or inventive, being in an environment with other people who have that similar mindset, one will amplify and support kind of whatever that natural thing is inside of you. But it's also not to be said, or it's also true that these can be learned too, you know, being a maker, being a manager, that can be learned if you're exposed to the right people. What's one of the biggest lessons you've learned about being a partner and a co-founder with somebody? I mean, I run into so many people where it just just never works out and there's always some sort of bickering or some sort of argument that just doesn't get solved and it creates resentment and then down the road, it ends up folding the business. And so I'm curious to hear how the partnership's been going and then what's been some of the bigger lessons that you've learned while partnering with somebody else on something that's so close to your heart and such a big passion project of yours. Yeah, yeah. It's... yeah. Co-founder dynamics are, are so critical. It's something where I think over time that we've learned that having that shared passion for what we're building towards, it's something that really allows you to know that you're both moving in the same direction. With that in mind, one thing that really helped us was kind of this understanding and appreciation for this concept, the maker and the manager. Paul Graham writes about it in one of his essays. And it's a really interesting kind of concept, which is you know, there are in some cases people who like to focus on kind of deep focused work and creating products, let's say, or experiences. And there are others who, you know, get really excited about, let's say, creating an organization or process, et cetera. And they may be more of a manager, right? Mm-hmm. And what was key was kind of decoupling leadership from management and making and that understanding that you can be a leader in both spheres, but that it's actually best for the company if there was a maker leader and a manager leader. And that's something that while we both have kind of experiences in both spaces, it's, you know, we're both engineers, we're both had different professional experiences that kind of prepared us for this. But this is something that we thought was really important. And, and it allows both to kind of kind of work at our, our optimal level. Yeah. So basically understanding each other's roles and how they 
play themselves out in the company, I'm sure has to be huge. And then one thing that I want to look at a partnership like that, it's actually been working and you guys have been putting out real numbers and stuff like that. One thing that I see is the ability to think long term. Like, because the thing is, I think it would be easy for me to start a company with somebody that I've known since I was like four years old. You know what I mean? Like somebody yeah. that's like a brother to me. I think that it would be easier to do that because I know that we're going to run into issues. But at the same time, I know that we're just going to like be cool forever and we're going to figure yeah. out a way to get through it. it. It would be more difficult for me to like meet somebody you know, a year ago and then start a business with them next month because it would just, I don't really even know who that person is. So I think the ability to see long-term, like looking at it and seeing that you can get into a business with this guy that you just met in college and then all of a sudden you guys are partners and going into this big venture together. I think that looking at that without the short-term goggles on, so to speak, I think is so, so, so important. And that's one big thing about quote-unquote networking that most people aren't able to see past. How has that that helped you to become better at building relationships, the ability to think long-term? Yeah. I think kind of one of the things that's come about is almost not putting too much pressure on that kind of first interaction that if anything, I've learned over time that there's that relationship builds over time. And that once you're familiar enough with each other, what oftentimes is the best test is kind of one of those like, those all-nighters or those like deep, hard projects. Yeah. And I think for us, it was actually our, our first Kickstarter. It was this moment of incredible excitement, but also just being completely overwhelmed with you know how to produce you know 10,000 shirts, for example. Mm. And those are kind of these like throttle points that kind of you, you get pushed through them and you figure out uh, you know, how you're going to come out on the other end. But I, I think that sometimes the best kind of the deepest like networking or kind of interactions, they, they do build over time, but they're forged in those moments. Those kind of like those projects, those kind of those situations where you kind of really have to get to know each other. I find it, it's often that that I really find that, res- that I align with someone rather than the first or second introduction. Yeah. I love what you said at the very beginning of that answer, which is don't put too much pressure on the beginning of the relationship, because I think that's something, it's a fatal mistake that most people make because they want to see that ROI so bad, like so fast. So they do that at the expense of creating a real long-term relationship that could yield an insane ROI, but just in a year and a half, two, three years from now, but they're not willing to put in the work to see it through that long. Were you ever that kind of a person? Or were you always the guy that was able to like put off short-term to see long-term? I guess for me, it was, I quickly learned that I wasn't the best judge of people on my first interaction with them. I go back, actually, I was I was in a fraternity in college and you basically were put together with 15 other guys who you just met. And what I found was actually some of the people that I thought I didn't click with initially ended up becoming my closest kind of lifelong friends you know, to date. And that was the kind of proof point to me. I started to realize that you need to give it time. And it was something that I kind of learned through some experience that like mm-hmm. it happened over and over again in my life. And then kind of since then, I've just kind of taken this approach, which is just give it, yeah, give it some time and wait for that crucible moment. That's when you'll really kind of get to know each other. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's so much truth there that it's hard to just get in one little interview of like what you mean by that and what the ramifications are. I think the bottom line is if you haven't tried this kind of stuff before, if you're listening to this and you haven't tried this kind of stuff, if you haven't tried the really investing in long-term relationships instead of thinking about the short-term ROI, just force yourself to do it for like a small period of time. Yeah. And once you realize the power of it, you'll never go back to burning through your relationships and burning bridges with people. The reason I asked, I asked you if you were always like that is because I know I was not always the you know relationship builder that I am right now because I went through that whole short-term thing when I first started because I'm, yeah, I think yeah. I'm more of a natural salesman than I am a natural quote-unquote networker. So yeah, yeah. you know, for me, it was like just the ability to go cold call in person. You know, I was used to door not I was a door-to-door sales, so I was just used to cold calling. So it was just like oh, yeah. networking, you know, meeting. Oh, there's a bunch of people in here that could potentially give me business. Guess I'm gonna try to like go close every single one of them. And I realized like pretty quickly within a couple months of trying that way that it was just not an effective way to produce over the long term. And will you see some short-term gains? Yes, of course. It's a numbers game. You'll get somebody to say yes. But in the meantime, how many people did you irritate, piss off, and basically make it to where they're not going to answer your phone calls or texts the next time that you have something that might be something that benefits the both of you? So it's just, it's so important to eliminate that mindset and start thinking in completely different terms. Gihan, who is the best networker that you know, and why did you choose that person? Yeah, it's interesting. I'd have to say, Amon, my co-founder. I think it's almost like he doesn't network in the way the word that kind of comes to mind when, mm-hmm. when people think about networking. Right. And I think what comes out is just kind of just truly empathetic relationships, yeah. and they somehow pan out for the positive in the long term. But mm-hmm. I've learned a tremendous amount from him, and kind of watching that quite intimately. You know, honestly, as, as kind of business partners and friends, but that's kind of you know, something that you see very close firsthand. And mm-hmm. it's something that you can you can see that build over time, especially people that you know as networkers, you may have one or two interactions with them, but there's probably people who are very close to you who have are doing it in a just a slightly nuanced way that doesn't come across as, you know, right what one might expect as that, but they are actually brilliant networkers. Right. Yeah. From my experience, those are always the best ones. The ones that you don't really like think of, you know, the guy going to a networking meeting with a bunch of business cards, but they're actually good at building real genuine relationships with people. And that's really the bottom line. That's the name of the game is just building real genuine relationships with people. So don't complicate it. Don't treat it differently. Just approach it the same, the same way that you would as, you know, meeting friends up at a bar, you know, like just furthering and deepening relationships and getting to know people and actually caring about what other people have going on, what their ventures are and having empathy and all that stuff is so, so, so important. Would you say that you are an introvert and extrovert, Gihan? I probably lean a slightly introverted. And Amon would I'm, be I'm more some, extroverted? Perhaps, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm like somewhere like in the middle of that spectrum, but I'd probably not as kind of in, in a larger setting. I think that's I'm probably a more introverted person, yeah. Okay. So when you get put into a setting where you need to be more extroverted, you can make yourself be that way. But the way that you recharge, is that going to be by yourself or with people? Usually either with a smaller group of people or on my own. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So definitely more introverted then. What have been some like fears that networking has allowed you to overcome being an introverted person? I'd say like one of the big things is just like talking about, it's not about like bragging, but rather like sharing. I think that's where it's like more excited. Like people are actually really excited to learn more. And if you think of like, you're networking more as you know, sharing what you do, what you're mm-hmm. passionate about. Yeah. Those are the moments that I find that it feels authentic to me. And as a person who 
you know, might not personally be as great at, at, at selling, you know, the sharing of, of what I'm passionate about. That's kind of how I'm able to network the best. Yeah. Yeah, I love just those little mindset shifts sometimes can be such difference makers, especially when you're in a larger networking setting that you may not be comfortable with. So are you that guy like at the giant conference that just kind of sticks around in the corner with a drink and doesn't really go talk to people? Or are you like really forcing yourself to go out there and go shake hands and meet people? Yeah, it's, it depends it's a little bit of, of both. I have an inclination to I think what I know what might interest me initially. And so, you know, if it's at a conference, it's usually like a speaker that catches my attention or, you know, something like that. But yeah, a tough, tough one to say. Yeah. 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 It just depends on the setting and on the situation. Right. Everything. Well, cool. Gihan, I'd love to talk to you about this a little bit longer. We're coming up to the end here. Let's go ahead and move on to something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Yeah. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Anyone here at MWS knows that I wish that I were an astronaut. So my desk <laughs> is just covered with NASA toys and whatnot. So <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Uh, if you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? I'd probably say the Wright brothers. They're just kind of two humble maker mechanics who just had this kind of focus on one problem and they just focused on solving it. So I've, I've always been a, a fan of them. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Yeah, it depends on the medium. I'm increasingly, I'm a runner. So I find that I'm able to make my long runs like marathon training really productive by listening to audiobooks too. So I'm out on big rides or runs. I love audiobooks for that reason. And then what I like for kind of more tutorial content is a bunch of like, you know, YouTube. I've, I've watched YouTube a lot for any type of craft that I'm doing. Yeah. What is an audiobook you've listened to recently that you'd recommend? Probably one that I really liked was The Techie and the Fuzzy. And it's, it's by Scott Hartley. And it's basically kind of, it goes deeper into this idea of like almost the maker and the manager and appreciating where do liberal arts play in kind of the future of tech. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I usually get up around six and I run. Um, training for Boston right now, so I'm racing next week. Oh, uh-huh, um, nice. Yeah, my, my usual day starts with a run, oftentimes with my girlfriend, and yeah, just to hop on the team and head to work. So that's usually what it is. What is your go to pump up song? So it's basically GoPro, the Hero HD3 had this awesome music video. And when I'm on the treadmill and I'm like doing a hard mile repeat, I like to watch that. And it's got this awesome like uh, dead mouse like background sound to it. So it's good. What are you not very good at? Candidly, like kind of like the micro follow-ups, the like kind of pushing the ball along. My co-founder introduced me to Boomerang though, which is fantastic for that. So <laughs> just kind of like, <laughs> Put it, you know, set and forget it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, you need this, man. Here, use this. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. So you get everything wrapped up here, bro. What is one place online where we'll be able to find you guys the most? Yeah. Just head to ministryofsupply.com. 
perfect. So head over to ministryofsupply.com, check out some of their awesome clothing line, buy a shirt or two. And then if you're in a colder climate, like maybe Michigan or Chicago, I know I have some listeners out there, definitely check into that heated jacket. That sounds like something that's really, really cool, but I'm out in Vegas, so I don't know how useful it would be. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> I need a cooling jacket or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Gian, really appreciate you coming on the show, man. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. Awesome. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.